Hi friend, it's 2020, and let's be real. If you're anything like me, this year is not going the way you planned. It may feel lonely, scary, disappointing, or even overwhelming. But especially in times like these, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself longing for something better, something real? When all else has been stripped away, what matters most? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ. And it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you don't know what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, can I get an amen? (laughs) This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Okay, friend, you know what's cool about hosting a podcast? Let me just be honest. It's getting to have really cool conversations with people that you wouldn't otherwise get to have a conversation with. And as much as I love sharing it with the world, sometimes I will talk to a guest and it's like the conversation was just for me. (laughs) And that's how I felt about today's conversation. It just filled my cup. I got to speak with someone that I just think is a great person. And I really enjoyed talking with her and learning from her. And she just shares a lot of wisdom and joy here on the podcast today. So I'm excited to share a conversation with you. Again, if you haven't visited my website, uh, JanelleWood.com, you can find show notes along with links to um, things that we talk about today on the podcast. You can also find the Clarity 2020 um, series uh, at the top of the page, which includes um, free resources that go along with this podcast series. Every month I do a set of reflective questions that go along with each topic, and um, there's just a lot of fun stuff on there. So please check it out. Visit my webpage if you can, and um, enjoy today's conversation. I'm just joking about it just being for me, but I will re-listen to this one multiple times just to encourage myself. So that's a true story. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is Janelle Wood, your host, and I'm so glad you're back today. Today's guest has been described as having the ability to transform a room into a fun atmosphere while enriching it with the truth of God's word. Before this podcast, I went on her website and it says, real truth, real funny. She uses her background in improv comedy and her biblical knowledge to inspire others to discover God's unique call for their lives. In fact, she's written the book, Scriptless, What I Learned About God on the Las Vegas Vegas Strip. I want to hear about this. (laughs) She also holds a master's degree, is a pastor along with her husband for a church uh, in California, is a mom of two daughters, leads in the creative arts ministry, serves as the director of Lead Bold, a conference for women leading in ministry, along with serving as the director of women's conferences at the Mount Hermon Conference Center. Wow, she does a lot. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to the Finding Something Real podcast, Andrea Coley. Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much. 
I'm really happy to be here. Excited to talk today. Uh, I'm excited you're here. And um, as we were talking before we started recording, um, we have some mutual friends, and I was scheduled to be the conference photographer at Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference this year. So I was really looking forward to getting to meet you in person, and I follow you on social media. And recently, you shared this, and I thought it was pretty great. You said, my page is called Andrea Coley Speaks because that's what I do. I had the nickname Motormouth when I was little, which tells you my love for talking is in my DNA. But what I truly love is sharing words of encouragement, hope, and truth that equip you to live into all God invites you to be in him. Andrea, I was just wondering, where does that passion for sharing encouragement and truth and hope come from? Yeah, we're going to jump right in. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I um, So I am a, a seven on the Enneagram for those that know Enneagram. So my goal in life is kind of joy and optimism. And my greatest thing I avoid is pain. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I'm learning about myself. Um, so I just find it actually really natural to be optimistic and hopeful and see the potential in a person or a circumstance. So that mixed with just, I think, some humor that I was born with, uh, I think gives me kind of a unique ability to maybe just see things from a perspective of fun and not taking ourselves too seriously and being willing to make fun of ourselves. And I make fun of myself a lot. Um, and then, of course, you mix that with faith in Jesus. And that ultimately is, is always what I think is the most important thing to talk about. So that's kind of where it comes from, I guess. <laughs> did you um, grow up in a Christian home? How did you come to know the Lord? I did not grow up in a, um, a family of faith. Um, I actually got to uh, know Jesus because my mom who uh, I grew up in a, it was just her and me, a single mom. My brother lived with my dad and I lived with my mom. And uh, she sent me to this little Christian school that was right down the road from our house. And so I went there starting in first grade and went there my entire school years up through 12th grade. And really that was the foundation for me of of what it is to be somebody who follows Jesus. So, you know, in a way it, it was unique among my friends. Most of my friends all, um, you know, their families all went to the church and were involved in the school, but where it served me well is that unlike some of my friends, I did not have p parents who were dragging me to church or <laughs> forcing anything or making me, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I had a, a real ownership of my faith really early on. Mm -hmm. uh, so that I think laid an important foundation for me as a person now who obviously owns my own faith. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back. <laughs> we had a little technical difficulty, but Andrea. But we solved it and that's what we matters. We solved it and it's working now. So that is what matters. Um so you were just sharing about having ownership of your faith, and I, I did miss some of it because I was a little distracted by the frozen <laughs> face situation, um, but you were saying that it really was your own because you didn't necessarily grow up in that. Is that correct? Right. Totally. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. That, that's pretty <laughs> much it. I, you know, I, 
I never, I, I'm one of those people that, and this is hard for a speaker who doesn't have a, a quote unquote story, you know, like I don't have like any big story that I always talk about that guides what I teach about. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because I never had the like rebellious years where all the stories come from, you know, uh, because, yeah. and, and, and in hindsight now as an adult, I look back and I go, oh, that's because like I wasn't rebelling against anything. It was all my own impetus to be part of church and to lead and to um, be somebody who tries to follow Jesus. So yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the background there. That's cool. Did you always know you wanted to be a speaker? No, I have always, how's this for grammar? I have always never been afraid of the stage. <laughs> uh, I have always loved being up front, performing. Um, so I've, I never had that like thing I had to get over. But no, it wasn't until I was probably, probably in seminary until I knew that teaching was really a gift and kind of something that I felt like is a lot of how God might use me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I relate to that idea of never being afraid of being on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because um, part of my journey was I, I felt like that was a bad part of me. Um, that I felt like that was, uh, the, like attention seeking. Like attention. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like chose a different path when I went to college in part because I thought it would be more saintly to like get my master's and my degrees in psychology, uh, to help people instead of, you know, to talk and to share instead of just stories. Being the star. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, I remember like when I, I had been leading a Bible study and I shared, um, I, I like handed down the baton we were moving and the gal who took it, you know, she, she was just like, oh my gosh, um, I, I can't believe this. I mean, she was so like grateful. She's like, I never saw myself in this position and da da da. And I'm thinking, I've always seen myself in that kind of position. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Like it's so, everybody's journey is so different. And I do, I love to talk to other speakers or writers and get the sense of like where, yeah, is this something that God kind of tugged out of you or yeah. something that you've always loved to do? Yeah. I finally felt like God just put on my heart, like you will never know what I would have done with your gift of communication if you don't surrender it to me. Yeah. And uh, fast forward to, you know, the Finding Something Real podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you're talking for a living. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, for fun. Um, so you have been sharing some pretty funny things throughout quarantine. I've been um, <laughs> following you. Well, I, I think, you know, I was thinking back to when I started following you. I think it was when you did the bit about writers and the mind, uh, the yes. different personalities of the writers. That yes. was so funny. And um, I just thought, I got to follow this gal. She's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. And then you've shared some things about your hair, which, you know, before we pressed record, I shared a little bit about, you know, my obsession with um, eyelashes. And so I like I can relate to some of I, I don't know, some of the things that you share, I can really relate to. And even um, you wrote a piece, I think, for your church. Um, that was a parody of part of your world. Is that right? Um, oh, yeah. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Early yeah. on in quarantine, we 
we thought it would be really funny to rewrite the the lyrics to some Disney princess song and make a video that went with it that was all about quarantine and, and shelter in place. And so what's funny, so I was tasked with writing it, although the gal who's in it, who has an incredible voice, she is the one who did the whole design of the look of it. But it was funny because when we were thinking about what song, well, when I was thinking about what song, I thought, I thought about part of your world and lyrics like, I want to be where the people are. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even have to change very many lyrics. It's literally <laughs> so funny. So yes, that was so fun and very scary how quickly some of those things come together. Like scary, like what goes through the, the weird things that are in this head. Because uh, I wrote that in like a morning and it was just like wrote itself, basically. It's, it was fun. That's awesome. Did you write the one about the writers too in the writer brain? Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. All the different um, t- motivations that go on in all of our mind when we're trying to get stuff done, all the different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. So how did you get involved with improv? Tell me that story. Yeah. So I, um, in a former life, I was a cast member for the, <clears throat> with the Second City in Las Vegas. Um, for those that don't know, the Second City is kind of like the, the home mecca of improvisation back all the way to the 50s in Chicago. And um, so when we lived in Michigan, which was when I was in my kind of late 20s, I started um, taking classes at the local Second City and joined what was called the conservatory where you have to audition to be able to do these classes and you become part of a troupe and you put on shows and stuff like that. And really I wasn't doing it, unlike most of the people in my uh, class and in my troupe, I wasn't doing it to try to really get anywhere with it in terms of my career. I was really just doing it because I uh, was in ministry and had been called to ministry and loved, you know, like, as we said, being on stage. And I just thought, oh, this will just help me get better at that. And I was always involved in drama ministry for a long time. And I thought, yeah, this will help me get better at that and and be a better speaker. You know, by that time, I knew that was something in me. Um, And so I did that and then I did that for uh, just shy of two years and then I was done. And then I was in full-time ministry after that. And then after that, we moved to Las Vegas. And um, a couple months after we moved there, uh, my, a friend of mine actually from, that I knew from Detroit, he reached out and said, hey, did you know that the second city there is starting a whole new show they're casting for a new show because they have like the sketch comedy and they have the improv but they had they didn't have a show that was all improvised which is like whose line is it anyway if you ever yeah remember that show so i heard about this audition and people came from new york chicago san francisco la detroit um to audition uh, I got in my car and drove about eight minutes over to the strip because I lived there, <laughs> and I ended up getting cast in in that that show. And so I was in that show for the four years that I lived in Las Vegas, and 
it was amazing. I mean, it was, um, it was just a trip. Like you, you had to, I, I found myself getting ready for a show and having to like, you step on that stage and you think like, people don't get to do this. Like, this is a huge gift. Um, and, and it was really formative for me in a lot of ways, including my faith. Um, and definitely it was very formative for me in my craft in terms of being uh, somebody on stage and, and live on stage, you know, well now everything's video, but <laughs> remember <laughs> back in the day when you would be in front of an audience of real people and uh, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. So definitely, definitely strengthened my ability to just roll with it and not get overly concerned with what might happen. Yeah. So um, I've heard the secret to improv is to always say yes. Is that the secret? It's, it is one of the main secrets. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Cause the thing, cause so, you know, you figure if I'm with somebody in a scene and we're both making it up, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't even know what I'm going to say. The other one, the other secret is stay in the moment. Like you have to be engaged in right now because of the fact that you have to be listening and, and not planning ahead. Cause if you plan ahead, it's never going to go that way anyway. Cause you have to work with somebody who doesn't know your plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah. So when your scene partner s opens up the scene and says like, Hey, Aunt Mary, thanks for letting me come live with you. I hate my parents. Uh, you are Aunt Mary and you, <laughs> for some reason, are letting your niece, nephew stay with you. I mean, you have to say yes to what's given to you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the beauty of just the, the on-the-spot collaboration that happens in improv that is only possible because you are fully supporting. You know whatever you say won't get pushed back. Like it'll fully get received. And that's, a, I mean, where does that ever happen in life? Right? Right. Wow. So you wrote a whole book about that experience. Um, what are the cliff notes? What, what did you learn? You said you learned a lot about your faith. What do you mean? Yeah, I, um, as I was in the conservatory and in the show, I found myself really starting to make parallels with what I was learning and experiencing in improv and, and my faith. Um, and really it came down to those tenets of improvisation, like say yes, don't deny, be in the moment, listen, get gifts, don't ask questions, lots of, lots of rules like that. Um, and I found that there were um, ways to apply those same guidelines as a Christian. So for example, um, one of the things about improv, and the thing about improv is it's not comedy, it's not stand-up. You're not up there by yourself. I, I've done about five minutes of that, literally, and it's way, it's a whole different animal. Um, <laughs> but in improv, you're an ensemble. Like the whole thing is collaborative with people. So one of the things about improv is uh, make each other look good. So unlike other crafts in that same industry, acting, you know, music, uh, even stand-up, your whole goal is to like get yourself out there, get yourself in front of people, have them notice you, be networking and self-promoting because you have to, that's what it is. 
in improv, your whole job is to make somebody else look good. Make somebody else be the one that gets the laugh, uh, who gets noticed. And, and then the job of everybody else on my team is to make me look good. And my job is to make them look good. And so as I thought about that, so unique to improv, um, as I thought about that, it was like, isn't that kind of like what we're supposed to do as people of faith? Like my love says, I do what's good for you, not what's good for me. I make things easier for you. I go out of my way to put that grace on you, not make it about me. So, so I started to see parallels like that. So the yeah. book is basically uh, every chapter looks at a different um, one of those quote unquote rules of improv and, and kind of makes it an analogy for, or metaphor. I get metaphor and analogy mixed up. <laughs> I don't know. It makes it something that tells yeah. you about faith. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds fascinating. I, I'm going to have to read that book. I think it sounds great. Well, thanks. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to write. I, it was, it's now I, so I'm, I have a few other books in process, but I wrote that like over 10 years ago. And so this is the pace of my writing. I, I, I knock out <laughs> one book every 12 years, much to the yeah. chagrin of my agent, but you know, it's okay. I'm just well, you're kidding. Doing, She's awesome. You're, you're doing a lot of other things. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm busy you posting know. on social media. I yeah. can't have time to write a book. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of which, you have been busy posting on social media, as uh, we talked about earlier. You've been sharing a lot of, in, in fact, er, even earlier today, as I was about ready to get on here, I saw that you posted something about embracing uh, your creativity. And it was very encouraging, very, um, very warm and uh, full of joy. And um, I've also noticed that um, you've had a lot of things that you share about joy and what that is. So what keeps you grounded in, in that uh, frame of mind versus um, where a lot of us might go? And, and maybe you go there some days, too, where you're just feeling bogged down by all the things around you right now. Yeah, totally. It's, you know, I guess I would first say that those who grieve deeply and feel deeply um, and very much... Um, can hold pain with people are so needed and, and so relevant. And I hope that every one of us have people that are like that in our lives. Um, and, and the truth is, is that it takes all kinds of different people to help each other process and sit in whatever we're facing, whether it's as, mm -hmm. a, as a nation, as a world, as a family, as an individual. So I think typically the the role that I feel in people's lives, whether it's my family, my friends, or my greater, you know, quote unquote audience that, that I get to, to be with, again, is I think just really true to, again, just how I'm wired, like I was saying um, before, where I do struggle with, with really getting that close to pain. Mm -hmm. So that can be definitely a challenge and it could lead toward a lot of denial. But the bright side of it is that I also <laughs> very easily can see potential and, and hold on to joy and have hope. Um, I think just being able to pull out of the mire and kind of see that bigger picture of 
this bigger trajectory that we're all on as Jesus followers, that the hope is certainly not dependent on whatever circumstance we're in. So Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to like my teaching and even just like my, how I am on social media, I feel like there certainly are people who are called to that um, kind of that very like contemplative and provocative, deep massaging of all the things. And that's not me. Um, so (laughs) I just figured I would live into the, you know what, if we can just like find the commonality in the ridiculousness of life. And if I have to help point that out to people by trying to see the funny in something or make fun of myself or, uh, whatever, then I will do that. Now the challenge is that of course, ultimately my goal is to, um, help people feel welcomed and safe in order to make way for a deeper conversation of, of really that, of, of course, joy is real because of who we have it in, not, not because we're trying to base it on whatever is going on in our life that's difficult. Hmm. Yeah. So you touched on it earlier. Um, you, you celebrate the differences we all have. You know, I'm a four on the Enneagram scale. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, but well, I, I just want you who's... to know you're special and unique and there's no one like you in the world. Is that good? <laughs> yes, good. That's good. I have a friend who's a seven and she's always laughing and she's saying to me, well, Janelle, you're the only one I cry around or whatever, you know. that. Kind oh, of... yeah. Totally. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, real quick on that. Speaking of like yeah. the people that God puts around you, um, you know, a two on the Enneagram is just that like somebody who like, they're the helper. It's hard for them to, they're, they're the one who wants to help. It's hard to accept help. They're good. They will go out of their way, you know, and they can hold pain. They can hold pain. Mm -hmm. And as one of the times when I was learning about Enneagram, I realized that three people that are like my closest friends slash people I work with in ministry or at church, they're all twos. They're all these women who are twos. And I'm like, thank you, God, you surrounded me with twos. That means that in the rare event that I can go to a place where I'm like, all right, now I'm really hurt. Let me share this. They can hold it. They can take it. It doesn't scare them. (laughs) So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love your outlook because it's very appreciative of people and their different giftings. Yeah. Um, was there ever a point in your life where it was, um, you struggled with comparison? Because I think that a lot of people, what stops them from experiencing joy is instead of celebrating the differences in somebody else, is to say, well, she's funny. I wish I was funny and I wish I wasn't so heavy or I wish, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes um, when we don't embrace who we were meant to be, and I know this is a passion of yours, is to encourage people in this, um, it, it, it stops us. You know, people say comparison is the thief of joy, and I, I truly believe that. So was there a light bulb moment for you or has it always just been easier for you to embrace other people's differences and celebrate them? Yeah, I never struggle with comparison. Just kidding. I do. <laughs> no, it's so con- it's yes, of course, every day I struggle with that. Um and I don't know what it is. I just it is such a beast 
um, and it's a common one. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. I think that really the antidote is, is, a, is to be able to appreciate, to see in yourself, like what you bring and that we don't have to bring all the things, you know, yeah. and being able to celebrate someone else um, is huge. I, I do think that is one of the ways that you can combat the comparison is to, and this will sound weird, but I'll tell you what I mean, is to like force yourself to celebrate someone who has done or is doing or who's experiencing something that you're jealous of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's like, you know, we've been talking about social media, social media, like following or getting attention about something or an award or getting asked to speak somewhere that you didn't get to or whatever. Um, really making yourself uh, send that text to that person and be like, wow, that's so great. Like, I know you've worked for this or, or whatever. Um, I really think, I think it's, um, I think it's Andy Stanley who talked about um, acting your way into a belief um, where even if you don't feel like Mm -hmm. celebrating somebody or saying a nice thing, um, if you make yourself do it, it actually turns you around and helps you truly be somebody who, who is celebrating them. And maybe it just means um, praying for them. You know, I, I had a, a wise woman um, who's an executive pastor at a, a local church here, and I got to interview her, and she talked a little bit about uh, resolving conflict and helping people resolve conflict on, on her staff. And she said that when she, when she has two people, she gives them an assignment for, for like the whole month, for like 30 days every day, they have to pray for each other, like pray good things and God's blessing and all the things that they want, pray for this other person that they're like bitter toward or whatever. And, and then she brings them back and how to go. And of course, like your God changes your heart in that. Um, so all that to say, the comparison thing, I think, I, I don't know if it ever goes away because there's always going to be somebody ahead of you. I mean, you think of like the biggest names you know that are in your field or whatever. There's somebody that they're comparing themselves to and finding that they fall short. So it's not going to go away. But if we can at least identify it and then really try to push against it, um, I think it makes a big difference. And, and so I do try to talk to people a lot in my messages and stuff, just that, you know, there are, there are stuff that you're the only one that, that can do it because of who you are and why are you spinning your wheels trying to do this thing like so-and-so? Cause that's a waste of time. You're, you mm-hmm. got to talk the way you do. So, so just in the speaking world, like, if I try to have a style like somebody else, it doesn't work. Um, and if, if somebody might try to be like me, it doesn't work. It's, it's finding your way because God will uniquely use all of who you are. And so, yeah, kind of digressed there, but, but the other thing too, is I saw the other day, uh, I was reading this little article in a writer's magazine and it was saying that verse that says like, not to despise small beginnings. And it was so timely for me that day because I had been like 
seeing something somebody else had done or probably it was the magazine the fact that my friend published this cool magazine and i'm like why can't i publish a magazine you know <laughs> and like just this sense of like god's god's doing something in you don't get caught up in like if it's not as big as what it looks like he's doing in somebody else you know yeah yeah it's good advice what what would you say to the girl who might be listening right now who is feeling like, well, I don't know. I don't know what my voice is. I don't know if I'm funny. I don't know if I'm serious. I just feel lost in all of the noise. What kind of advice would you give that person? Yeah. I know you're a mom of two daughters, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. I, I think I, I think most of us spend the first, you know, 30, 40 years trying to get that figured out or longer. I mean, I don't mean to put a cap on it at that, but, um, and I think that when you kind of have a sense of what you might want to do, or you see that, or you even just have a desire for something, that's a really good starting place. And, and weirdly, I think when you see somebody that you're jealous of, that sometimes is God saying, yeah, that's because I made you to do that too. So you're not going to do it like that person, but listen to that, that kind of, you know, feeling you get, because that can be a something that points in the right direction. But I think honestly, Janelle, it takes experimenting. It, it takes trying it. And the more reps, uh, the more repetition you can get with, with trying stuff, then just organically you figure it out. The other thing too is, look at the opportunities that are in front of you and say yes to them. See, that's the improv. Say yes. Because <laughs> I like, okay, here's a, so I knew that I wanted to, we moved to the Bay area here in California about 12 years ago. And I had already been speaking and had wanted to speak and write and, and all that in ministry for a number of years. But when we moved here, it was kind of like starting over. Um, and I had shared with one of the women on our staff at church this desire for me. Um, okay, so fast forward to our women's retreat, which took place at Mount Hermon. We were talking about now I'm the director of women's conferences there. How weird, weird circle is that? But um, so our church went to the Mount Hermon women's retreat along with however many other churches were there. And it just so happened that that woman on our staff, who was our women's director that I had shared that with, she was the keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to go to this retreat because I, it was, I think one of the first retreats I'd been to since we moved. And, um, I had a little one at home as the first time leaving. And it was just like, I was so excited to go to this retreat and not do anything, just like be there, soak it all in, not have to like be in charge of anything or lead anything. So the very first night, I'm walking to the very first session on Friday nights, pouring down rain, irrelevant detail, but I just remember that. And, and <laughs> I, I go in and I say hi to, you know, the woman who's my friend, who's the speaker. And, and she goes, oh, hey, by the way, one of their breakout speakers is sick. And I told them you'd do one. It's tomorrow for an hour. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I was so mad at her that she would volunteer me. And long story short, I very reluctantly and kicking and screaming said yes to that, even though it meant I had to come up with an hour of content 
not prepared to do so for the next day. Um, but I said yes. And then, honestly, I'm not exaggerating here. That, that became the whole a seed that was planted that has even today populated my speaking calendar, even mm -hmm. today, like 11 years later, because I taught that and there were a couple people that liked it. I'm convinced because they were like, she is not planning this. If she sounds even remotely coherent, she must be amazing. And so let's have her, um, their, their standard was their expectations <laughs> were very, very, could not have been lower. And so <laughs> somehow I impressed them. So, you know, invited me to come speak. Somebody saw me at that, invited me to come speak. Somebody saw me at that and like literally mm -hmm. built from there. So when there's any glimmer of an opportunity, even one that scares you, even if you don't want to do it, even if the timing is not convenient, if it is in line with anything stirring in you, you've got to say yes. You've got to mm -hmm. do it because you have no idea how that can be integral in your story of, of getting to where really God is drawing you to. And so I think that's a way of discovery as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good advice. Well, that wasn't what I was planning on asking you, but I just <laughs> no, feel like this, just this been... podcast episode is for me. <laughs> I mean, it's for That'll you too. Work. That'll work. <laughs> listening, it's for you, know. you too, I guess. It's, it's... all right. <laughs> so um, do you have any practical resources that help you just keep your eyes on um, on Jesus and, and who you, who you are during this yeah. time? Like, let's put it this way. The a concept comes to mind more than like a, this book or this, whatever. Um, as somebody who, whose gifting and ministry is, as we've said on stage, kind of a public, public thing. Um, and even just in ministry, you know, as a pastor, people see me like people are watching and and as a pastor who's a, a somebody who's a teacher i i'm up there you know on the stage and so it's really hard in that role to not um like say reading the bible you're reading the bible and you come across a passage and it's very hard to not think of okay oh man i want to teach this how would i teach mm -hmm. this I should do this for this Bible study. I should, whatever, you know, and it, so much of the ministry content or so much of, so much of spiritual life as a person in a public ministry situation becomes the ministry as opposed to just me and Jesus. Hmm. And I'll tell you that I, very much find joy in that. I very much, um, I love getting to teach. I love getting to serve. Um, I do feel like when I use my gifts, it does draw me closer to Jesus and it, it's all good stuff. Not to say that difficult things don't come out of it, burnout, whatever. But I mean, I do feel like the public ministry is part of your spiritual life. However, there's gotta be a part that is not shared. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to learn that. I think I knew it cognitively, but I didn't live it out. Um, 
not, not like it was fake. It was just, I wasn't good at nurturing my own private process with Jesus. Um, that, that wasn't for, and didn't have to be, and never would be for me to share with other people. So like, I think I've almost come to, I've probably swung the other way a little too far, like, because I, I feel like if somebody were to ask me like, what's Jesus teaching you or what's, what have you been growing in? I would just be like, that's none of your business. So that's, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and not, not cause I'm trying to get out of it, but just cause I think I've so much turned into like, what, If I were to answer you that question, I would just be saying what I think is the right impressive thing to say, Mm. which I know is not what you want, but just because I'm a people pleaser and I'm a, I'm someone who like wants your approval and your acceptance and I want you to like me, I'm going to like think of something really good to say. Um, But if I can, if I can tell myself like this whatever me and Jesus do is like literally no one, not even Jesus is going to evaluate it. Then I have all the freedom in the world to truly um, attend to the real deeper work that is God's work in my life. That is just for me to better know and love God and to receive his love better. And it has nothing to do with, anybody else or any, anybody that I might, um, speak to or that might read my writing or that might see me from the outside, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it reminds me, I think, I can't remember if I heard her say this or if I read it in one of her books, but Beth Moore has a quote about that where she says, um, what's done publicly must first be birthed in private, you know? And I just think that I've thought about that so often these past few years because you really don't have that much energy. I I feel the same way. You know, I, it's fun to get on and do Facebook lives and a devotional here or whatever and all these different things. And I do get fed from it, but unless I have that time alone that no one else sees, it's just between me and the Lord, it can get very draining and I can find myself like trying to perform instead Mm -hmm. of really um, soaking in his presence. So if people want to know more about you and your ministry, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is andreacolispeaks.com. And my handles on Facebook and Instagram are both Andrea Coley Speaks. And yes, you can find me there. And um, when I have speaking engagements, when it's not a worldwide pandemic, my speaking (laughs) schedule is on my website. Um, and then just one other one I'd throw out is at uh, leadingbold.org, um, L-E-A-D-I-N-G-B-O-L-D.org. Um, and that is the website for the um, leadership community that I lead, which is a community of women in ministry. Um, so any kind of a leader in, in any ministry setting, um, it's a community where we have a number of resources and um, that is something that is, it is my joy to get to be the, the director of. And so that's another great place to see what's going on and to find resources if you're somebody who's in ministry. Awesome. Well, I have one final question that I ask every guest 
And uh, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Christ, which of them stands out to you the most right now in your life and why? I will say love. And the reason is that I think one of the deepest needs that all of us have, and for sure me, is that need for acceptance. And I think we all show it in different ways, but deep down on a spiritual level, um, we just want to be good enough. And of course we're not, but love, God's love, um, 100% accepts us and it, and it isn't based on us being good enough. And so for me, when I can really 100% believe that, that when I mess up, it doesn't mean I'm not accepted. And when I do well, that's not why I'm accepted. Um, and I have the freedom to really lay aside not only my failures, but my wins, that they become irrelevant. And, and it gets back to, again, just that me and Jesus, I have total confidence that because his love is unconditional, I don't have to live in fear that, that I'm not going to be good enough because it's not mm -hmm. a factor. So that for me, again, is just what drives um, really probably everything I do because I want I want people that I'm influencing or leading or speaking to or whatever to be able to lay aside the trap of performance and guilt and just the wrong motivations sometimes mm -hmm. and to know that none of that matters, that you're deeply loved, that you're fully accepted and that at the end of the day, that's what allows you to be able to live in the freedom that God's inviting you to be. Well, I love that. And I've loved our conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. And um, I love your hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what matters. Uh, I have appreciated it. Really, really great to talk with you. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, or even if you're simply finding it moderately entertaining while living the limbo quarantine life. Hey, that works too. Hit subscribe and come back next week when I'll probably be talking with another guest about finding something real in times of detours and disappointments. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. I share Instagram live weekly podcast recaps at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood most every Friday at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So please join me for questions and fun live awkwardness. <laughs> you can also find some study guides I've created that I hope add joy and encouragement and challenge to you during this time. You can find those on my website at JanelleWood.com. Just look for Clarity 2020 at the top of the page. And now, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope that it's this, no matter who you are, Jesus Christ loves you and you have a purpose. May you truly believe it, friend. Until next time.